A reading this morning from the Gospel of John. Jesus answered them, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to perform works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. One day in third grade Sunday school, we learned about the second coming, about how one day Jesus will come back and walk the earth amongst us again. Right after Sunday school, my dad and I went to Valley Foods, which is a grocery store near us, and the cashier's name was Jesus. But third grade Calla was like, oh my gosh, this is it. It's him. <laughs> now, like third grade Calla's first thought was to like get on the ground and worship this cashier. But on the very slim chance that I was wrong and he was not my Lord and Savior, I chose against it. But instead, I gave him this eye contact of, you know your Jesus, I know your Jesus, but we're going to keep it on the down low. Well, that Valley Foods cashier may not have been Jesus in human form, the idea still rings true. That Jesus can be found in what may seem like the most unlikely of places. In our scripture today, Jesus' disciples ask how they can glorify God. Jesus responds that they simply need to believe in whom God has sent. But how are they supposed to discern who has been sent by God and who's just some random person? He gave no guidelines on that. They were supposed to be vulnerable. They were supposed to trust in people who may or may not have been sent by God. Yet sometimes vulnerability hits us in what seems like the most absurd of places. Last spring, I went to the library to study for my upcoming physics test. When I get there, I sit down, and I recall that the library closes in 15 minutes. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta like, go find somewhere else. My house is too loud to get anything done, and, and parking in downtown Wheaton is weird, so I'm like, whatever, I'll just walk to Starbucks. It's pouring down rain, and right on cue, my umbrella will not open. So I jog to Starbucks, amassing gallons of water as I go, and I finally get there absolutely soaking wet. I just needed a place to study, but I didn't feel comfortable hanging out there and not buying anything. The only problem was that, since I don't have a job, I don't have a lot of spending money either. And I'd already used what I had on Pad Thai and Culver's ice cream. This leaves me ordering the cheapest thing on the menu and fumbling around my purse for change. And at one point, all my change falls on the floor and I'm on my hands and knees hunting for dimes and nickels. What I'm trying to portray is that this is an absolutely painful sight to behold. This soaking wet teenager desperately searching to find the change to pay for a $2 croissant, it looked like a scene from a Charles Dickens novel. Eventually I find my change and I sat down to do my physics. After a few minutes, a man walks up to me and hands me a $5 Starbucks gift card. <laughs> yeah. He tells me that he came to visit his daughter at Wheaton College and she didn't want the card, so he's giving it to the next student he sees. But I don't think that was true. 
I think he was just trying to make up an excuse just so that I wouldn't feel bad about accepting it. But if I'm being honest, I was a little insulted. What I was thinking was, do I look so bad that strangers are trying to give me money? <laughs> Nonetheless, I thanked him and I took the card. And after I got over my initial uneasiness, I was really touched by the gesture of the kindness shown to me by this stranger at a Starbucks. Looking back on it, I'm a little ashamed of how insulted I was. So often we separate out and us into them, the us being those who give charity and the them being those who receive it. And in this case of mistaken, and in this case of mistaken identity, I was understood to be part of the them and I was insulted by it. But it's that very thought process that can be so damaging. By separating out and us into them, we ignore the community that Jesus taught. It was my own privilege, and perhaps a bit of my own prejudice, that led to me being offended. Just as we were sent to help the world, others were sent to help us. And there shouldn't be shame in accepting it. Now, was this stranger Jesus incarnate? Probably not. We already established he works as a cashier. But at the end of the day, he did Jesus' work. John asks us to believe in whom God has sent. I don't know if God came down from the heavens and was like, give the girl a Starbucks gift card, but I do think this man was showing me Jesus' love. Perhaps even going so far as to make up an excuse to save my pride. And at the end of the day, I'm not sure if I should have accepted the card because I don't feel that I need it. So I passed the card on a few weeks later because I just didn't feel right about keeping it. And even though the financial gift may not have been necessary, I've been given so many gifts that were. From the time my teacher let me miss sixth period to cry in his classroom after an especially hard day, or the gift of my dad packing my lunch when I wake up late and need to run out the door. The gift the man gave me wasn't as much the card as it was that he saw me wet and cold and chose to do something about it. And while that supermarket cashier may not have been Jesus, I believe that there was some Jesus in the man I saw in third grade. Just like the same Jesus that was in the stranger who met me at Starbucks. The last part of the scripture, believe in whom God has sent, applies to all of us. We are put on this earth to help each other, knowing that we each have the capacity to be the whom God has sent John refers to. But it's also just as holy if we're the one they were sent for. Amen. A reading from Ephesians. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Community is just around the corner. Community is present and community is near. Whether we ask for it or not, we are here because we all share in the community offered here in this world. For no matter your race, social class, upbringing, or current state of mind, you are my neighbor and I am yours. There is no way to avoid community. 
No matter what actions you take, you are eventually going to have to let your guard down and allow love to flow. The summer after my freshman year of high school, I was given the opportunity to venture way out of my comfort zone and travel to Fentress County, Tennessee to participate in the well-known senior high youth event, Work Camp. While I was extremely excited to escape town for a week, I can't say that I wasn't filled with anxiety as well. For one, I was one of the youngest attendees going, meaning that many people had already built bonds with one another. I also wasn't extremely familiar with the older kids, seeing as I had practically just moved from junior high to senior high youth. I had already heard countless horror stories about how terrifying seniors could be, especially during your freshman year of high school, so the fact that I had the potential to be sleeping next to some of them was unsettling, to say the least. <laughs> and on top of all of that, I was stuck without my cell phone, which was always an easy wall to build between myself and strangers. Nevertheless, I piled into a windowless white van with about 10 people that I only knew slightly, which was a great way to calm my nerves, if you ask me. We drove for about four and a half hours the first day, and by the time we reached our pit stop for the night, I didn't feel as insecure as I thought I would. That is, until I realized that there were five other vans full of kids that I had yet to meet. The night progressed fairly normal, nothing too uncomfortable for me. But I noticed something that was a bit unsettling, or should I say, someone. Sitting across the room from me up in the girls' sleeping area, rocking her Glenbardi's t-shirt and showing off her smuggled ramen noodles to all us underclassmen, was a girl who had just completed her senior year of high school, making her about three years older than me and a complete celebrity in my eyes. <laughs> How could I spend my week around people as cool, confident, and sophisticated as her without completely embarrassing myself? My initial idea was to keep my distance as best I could, which worked for approximately 24 hours until we reached our site for the week and her air mattress was placed right next to mine. I laid there with her next to me, staying as still as possible, making every move to not make eye contact and possibly set her off. And thinking about it now, she was probably giving me the side eye, wondering what the heck is wrong with this girl. But I can't tell you exactly why or how it happened but this girl by the name of Charlotte and I began talking. And not just talking, but laughing and finding common interests and honestly connecting faster than I ever had with someone. I went to sleep that night not thinking much of the interaction between Charlotte and I because there were so many other people to talk to and I couldn't imagine that she would want to spend any more time with me. But once again, I was proven wrong. Charlotte became one of my closest and dearest friends that week. Although we weren't on the same work site, we spent every moment we could together, laughing about the most ridiculous of situations and opening up to each other about some quite personal things. Ephesians 4 talks about the unity that comes from love and community with one another, the call to become one with your neighbor. It teaches us that we must be open, that we must allow love to flow within our lives. It teaches us that our gifts matter and that we each bring something to community here. If we build walls between one another, we not only remain alone, but we lose the opportunity 
for community. Work camp was not only the place that I met Charlotte, but it was also the place that I felt comfortable enough with everybody to talk to them as if they were my own best friend. Had Charlotte and I not bonded next to each other on our air mattresses, my entire week would have been different. She showed me that we, despite our age gap and our different walks of life, were neighbors. It didn't matter to her that we had never conversed before this, because by the time the week was up, we had chatted enough to fill the years of silence before our meeting. I often reflect on this time getting spent, spent getting to know Charlotte, and each time I come to the conclusion that I would not be the same person had it not happened. It's as if I was living in the scripture from Ephesians, learning that I needed to allow myself to grow through love, finding community in a place I never expected with people I feared only a week prior. Much like the passage from Ephesians, a group of unique individuals were gathered in, the, in order to perform works of service in the name of the Lord. By doing so, a community of love would be built among them, which is the exact situation found on our mission trip. The beautiful truth is that community surrounds us always. Many times we find ourselves nervous, anxious to meet new people and to let our guard down. But a life without risk is a life I wouldn't wish upon anyone. Without risk, there is no time for love, for new friends, and for life-changing moments. We live among one another, and no cell phone nor time spent hiding across the room from someone can change that. We can build as many walls as we like, doing everything in our power to avoid vulnerability. However, we will never escape one another. And that is the reason we must take a moment and understand that love is present. Community is waiting to be built, and that we need not fear those who make us nervous, because chances are those people will be the ones that teach us most, and that we will cherish deeply. We all have the ability to make community and to choose to be a part of community, which is a direct reflection of the unity of Christ. Whether you find yourself on an air mattress next to someone you terribly fear, seated near an old friend or even a complete stranger in this very sanctuary, do not be afraid to reach out because love is near and community is just around the corner.